about how much information to reveal, you know, like be careful what you say to them. Mm-hmm. And I I was painted as the evil stepmother in that report. Really? It, it was horrible. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 163 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. That's 163 reasons to get out of bed every day. That's right. David, well, before I start talking about other stuff, I do want to say that this episode contains mention of suicide. So there's a disclaimer. Suicide is mentioned in this podcast. Okay. All right. And by the way, last week, the stepmom was Jamie. This week, the stepmom is Jamie. But it's not the same one, folks. <laughs> it's not the same one. Nope. I did not make a mistake. Not this time. If your name's Jamie and you're a stepmom, you might want to be on the show. <laughs> yeah. This is the Jamie show. Well, David, you and I talked last time about how people hear what we're not saying. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about this a minute ago. And oftentimes you hear what I'm not saying. (laughs) Okay. There's an example. It might be easier to come up with an example of what I hear (laughs) (laughs) that you're not saying. Yeah. But yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about there. Well, for instance, if I said, man, one of your kids is not the brightest of the Mohicans, you hear, I'm a crappy dad. Mm -hmm. And if I say, man, these pants are tight, you'll say, yep. (laughs) And I hear, chunky, chunky girl, you need to lose weight. No, what I'm saying is, Mm-mm, you're looking good in them jeans. <laughs> what was it I said the other day? Um, I can't remember what I said. And you said, we really need to start exercise. And I'm like, oh, great. You bring that up right after I mentioned such and such, whatever it was. Yeah, I don't remember it either. But I do remember something the other day where I wasn't, I wasn't really listening intently to you. Imagine and, that, folks. And so I, I said yes. Like you said something, I'm like, yep. And it was a place where I shouldn't have said, yep. <laughs> yep. You should have said, nope. <laughs> and you were like, what? And I'm like, wait a minute. And then my brain kind of rewinds. And, you know, because I was hearing what you were saying. I just wasn't processing it fast enough because I was focused on something else. And then I realized that, you know, I was like, ooh, that's not, not a place I should have said, yep. <laughs> well, I know I do this a lot. I don't know if everybody else does, but I'll say, what did you say? Because I didn't hear what you said, but then I hear what you said. Mm -hmm. It's like you said, I'm not comprehending it with my brain fast enough or something, because I'll say, what did you say? And then I'll say, never mind, I heard you. I I think that's because you don't understand it right away. And instead of pausing, you kick into this, can you repeat it? Right. It's like... We've talked about this before when even when people are having conversation, there's something that's very unpleasant about silence. 
which is awkward. Maybe that's what I should say. It's awkward, not unpleasant. It's awkward right. when there's silence. It's also the same sometimes when there's an internal dialogue, like there's an awkward silence. So you feel the need to just feel that in when really, if you would have waited two seconds, you'd be like, oh, never mind. I heard what you said. Because your brain does sometimes skip over the words. And so it, it kind of reprocesses it and fills in the blanks. I'm sure you've seen the things where you where you read something and it like a word's wrong or left out, but you still read it as if it's correct. Right. Because you because your brain's able to fill in the blanks. And it, I think that happens too, when people are talking. That's why when I write blogs, I actually wait 24 hours to read it again before I post it. Because yeah. when I'm editing it, I won't see my mistakes because I've read it 1800 times. What I have to do when some people say like read it backwards, but I, I like I read it frontwards, but I read it word one word at a time. And Hello, it's a, my name is David. Yeah, it's <laughs> like I'm not reading; I'm just looking at each individual word. But it's amazing how many times I catch myself. I'm like, what? What in the world? Why is that word even there? Mm-hmm. And some, you know, it's not. It, it's not like I meant to put an S at the end of the word and I missed it or something. I'm just like, it's a completely different word. (laughs) What in the world? (laughs) I have found that I'm not as good at multitasking as I thought I was. Oh, you're going down a rabbit hole now. There is no such thing as multitasking. If I start, if I'm typing an email right now while I'm talking to you, it never fails. I will type what I'm talking Mm -hmm. or bits and pieces of it. Mm-hmm. So I'll say, you should check out the, what did you say, David? <laughs> or, or something. And it makes no sense. But no, I, I can't multitask. I used to think I was really, really good at it. but No, you're terrible at it. And I can tell you how. This kind of Wait, a, that kind of sounds a, horrible. Well, it's kind, of a, it's kind of a thing that drives me crazy about you, but I just <gasps> learned to nacho it. Um, <gasps> it you I may st- have to edit this. You'll start a sentence. As you're looking at your phone and then, you know, halfway through the sentence, you stop and I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting. Well, that's because I don't think you ever listen. So I figure it doesn't matter. And sometimes the rest of the sentence comes. And sometimes after about 30 seconds, I'll just walk off because I'm like, okay, I guess you just wanted me to hear the first part of the sentence, which is something (laughs) like, oh, hey, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm waiting and waiting. <laughs> the other day when you went to the store, waiting, just <laughs> like, whatever, I just walk off. <laughs> well, okay, okay, okay. So sometimes I will start to ask you a question. Like the other day when you went to the store, did you get such and such? And then as I'm asking you the question, I remember seeing such and such. So I just stop. <laughs> But you don't tell me you stopped. <laughs> or I think this isn't really important, so I'm just going to stop. <laughs> well, that's why I don't listen to you because I'm like, that's not important. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> that is not true, David Halfway Sims. through your conversation. You don't listen to me because you're trying to multitask. Tell the truth. Halfway through your conversation. Tell the truth. <laughs> I've, already, I've already come to the conclusion that what you're saying is not important, so I don't need to listen. <laughs> I remember one time there was this guy that I was actually married to 
And <laughs> I don't know about this. Who's this? Yeah, you do. <laughs> and we were going to go pick up food, and he would tell stories, and it would be something similar to. So there was this house, and it was a two-story house, and it had 17 steps, and it had a living room and a kitchen, and the outside of the house was white, and it had green shutters, and there was a chimney on top of the house because there was a fireplace in the bedroom, and, I mean, he would just go on and on, like, too much detail, Mm. when all he wanted to say is, I passed this house, and it was pretty, (laughs) or I passed this house, and the grass needed to be cut, whatever. I had a straight drive at the time. I forgot I had a straight drive. That's how much I zoned out during that conversation. I know somebody in particular like that, and it's very difficult to have a conversation with them. I know that person too, don't I? <laughs> well, I, do. I, I had used to attribute it to the fact that he had a bunch of young kids, and so he feels the need to over-explain everything because he talks to kids most of the time. <laughs> But, but nah. I'm, not, I'm not, I don't think that's it anymore. I think that's just his personality. He, he was, he was doing that to his brother the other day. He was 30 something or 40 something years old. And he's over explaining something to him. And his brother's like, dude, I get it. Like, you don't need to explain to me how this works. I probably know better than you do how it works. <laughs> yeah. I got it 10 minutes ago. Yeah. But yeah. I remember driving down the road and there was a stop sign and I did stop. Thank God. And I mashed the brake, but I forgot to mash the clutch. So then that kind of brought me to reality. I'm like, oh my gosh, I literally zoned out. Yeah, you got to be careful doing that while you're driving. That's how you run stop signs and stop lights. And some people are listening going, stop signs, where do you live? But (laughs) I bring all this up. (laughs) I'm glad there's a reason. To say that if you say... I need to lose weight. And your husband says, yeah, you do. You didn't misunderstand what he said. Yeah, but that's not. Oh. So, yeah, you're right. You didn't misunderstand what he said. The difference is like when you say, I need to lose weight. And then I, and I say something like, well, how about Monday morning? We start working out. And you're like, you weren't supposed to say that. You're supposed (laughs) to say, no, you don't need to lose weight. (laughs) Like, I'm trying to offer a solution. You said it was a problem, and I'm not arguing with you that it's a problem or not. I'm just saying, if you feel that way, let's change it how you feel by le- by working out. And you're like, you're supposed to say I'm not bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like the other day you said something um, like, we need to start da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, we? Since when you throwing me into fat people camp? What? Uh-huh. Because I uh-huh. just, I want to spend quality time with you, honey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to, well, misery loves company, okay? That's what it's all about. This is what you part of my misery. <laughs> I remember this girl that I was friends with. Um, <laughs> she asked her daughter, she was trying on dresses, and she said, what do you think about this dress? She said, the dress looks fine. It's those fat legs sticking out from underneath. <laughs> oh, my God. Kids, they tell the truth, man. They tell the truth. But there are times that you don't say something that I hear. (laughs) Like what? Well, I'm just saying, for instance, if I say, 
oh, I've got a lot of stuff I need to do with Nacho Kids. And you say, yeah, well, this weekend we need to do this and do that because we haven't done this in a while and we need to. Then I hear you're slacking. That's what I mean. David! (laughs) (laughs) Have you started your button pushers group yet? (laughs) No, but I need to. (laughs) Yes, you do. Well, okay. Then help me out. I'm trying to help people that hear something that their significant other is not saying. Like someone may say, I love you. And the person says, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) (laughs) mm-hmm. Depends on when you ask. It doesn't mean that they don't love you too. It just means that they said, "Mm mm-hmm. I don't know. Come help me out, David. Stop trying to fight me with this. I'm not trying to fight you with it. It's you it's are. that it's all about sometimes timing. Like when do you ask or talk to them if they're distracted doing other things? I bet you if I was talking to you while you're trying to cut an onion, <laughs> you'd be like, "Not right now. Try not to cut my fingers off." <laughs> okay. <laughs> but if I said something <laughs> about Jackson. Like, oh, high um, alert, high alert. I know. I, I can't, you know, I can't believe Jackson did such a thing or, um, you know, I mean, anything, anything that could be construed as negative, you can very easily take that to be a jab at you and your parenting or lack thereof. My baby's a good boy. Which I know that some people are listening and saying, well, there ain't a whole lot of parenting happening on the other side anyway, so I mean to take a jab. <laughs> but that's not nice. Don't take a jab. So, but that's that's a whole other issue. And, and a matter of fact, we have a course about that in the, in the Not Your Kids Academy about when the bio parent won't parent. So, mm-hmm. um, and guilty parent syndrome, which explains why often the bio parent doesn't parent. Well, I'm glad you said often because sometimes it's not. It's because the bio parent has other issues. Um, some of which could be the fact that he didn't have to, I say he, cause it's normally the guy, sorry guys, step up. So I got to say, um, <gasps> <laughs> but we just lost 12 listeners, <laughs> <laughs> but it's oftentimes the guy is the one that is not the primary caregiver of the kids. So when divorce happens, then they, you know, if a, another person comes into the picture, even if it's been a year or two later, it's easy to kind of divert back to what was normal before, which is divert or revert, revert. Thank you. Revert back to what, <laughs> what was normal before. I guess it could be revert, even though it's a different person now. So maybe it is divert. <laughs> anyway, but anyway, you go back to what was normal and. And the guy's like, well, this is what we did before. You remember when you and I talked about how, oh, this, these are the things that worked in our previous marriage, or at least we thought they did. And so we're going to go back and do this nuclear family stuff. And it doesn't always work. In fact, it rarely works in a blended family. And I think that's one of those things. So sometimes it's on purpose, like the guy saying, I want you to take care of my kids because that's why I married you, which is <laughs> a terrible reason to marry somebody <laughs> or to get with them. And I, maybe you're not married to them. Maybe you're just living with them. But anyway, 
But the other aspect is it could just be one of those things where it's not realized because stepmom swoops in, she puts on her cape, she's going to do all this stuff. And then a year or two down the road, she's like, oh my gosh, what have I done? And so a lot of times, I mean, you know, if we're all trying to find somewhere to put the blame, usually everybody's got a, a shoe they can stick a foot in. So, huh? you know, <laughs> shoes on the other foot kind of thing. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> David, get back to what I was talking about. Okay. Yes, the Academy is a great place to learn about all this stuff. But you even tell me that's not what I said. Now, are you talking about the times when I say something and you come back and with something completely opposite of what I say? No, because... <laughs> like, I'll say, what's for dinner? And you'll be like, Johnny went and got a fish. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> okay, Nobody y'all, said anything about Johnny or a fish. <laughs> okay, I apologize for this intro being more off the chain than normal. <laughs> I was not prepared with my examples, apparently. You were not. So I'm going to have to write them down when it happens, which, don't worry, I'm sure one will happen today. And I will give you better examples. But I do believe that the majority of you listening know what I'm talking about. So You know. You know. So your whole example here to the audience listening is that they will hopefully hear what you're not saying because you're definitely not saying it. All right, there you go, folks. I hope you was able to read her mind through the podcast. Jeez, Louise, now you see what I live with. Oh, Lord. Okay, our guest today is Stepmom Jamie. And no, again, it's not the Jamie from last time. You already said that. I know, we but did I'm saying hear, it again. We did hear what you said. <laughs> and I'm also saying again, there is a disclaimer that suicide is mentioned during this podcast. Okay. Jamie has been blending for five years. Stepson 12, stepson 13, and no bio kids. Stepmom and biomom are very pleasant to each other. They used to get along very well. Things changed with COVID. Mm. Don't send your infected youngins to my house. (laughs) Or some cases, don't send my infected youngins back to my house. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There is also a point where her husband had no contact with the older child for 16 weeks. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to tell you, because we've spent enough time in this intro. Yep. We have. Trying to figure out what I was saying to get yeah. you to understand that what I was saying that I didn't say. Nobody, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and still nobody knows. They so. know, David. They know. They're more intelligent than you. All right, all right, here you go. If you know what she was saying, shoot me an email. David at nachokids.com. I promise you I won't get a single email. <laughs> oh, you think so? Because nobody knows what you were talking about. <laughs> all right, y'all. Let's get to listening. Today, we have stepmom, Jamie. Hey, Jamie, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Doing well. So tell us a little bit about your blend. How long have you been blending? So I've been with my partner for five years. So properly, we've only really been blending, I'll say, three and a half years, like with the kids. All right. And how many stepkids do you have? Uh, Two boys. And how old are they? Soon to be 12 and 13. And do you have any kids of your own? No. Is that by choice? By choice. So you're considered child-free? Yes. Not childless? (laughs) 
That's right. I always get I them confused. Their children. Okay. And how often do you have the stepkids? So by court order, it is every second weekend, half of the school holidays, and there is an informal, say, catch-up like during the week. Okay. But it's not an overnight visit. So dinner or something like that? Yeah, it's more like kind of like picking the child up and taking them to football practice. Okay. And then what about summer? So because we have the longest school holidays over summer, it's still supposed to be half of those school holidays. So I'm curious when they do half of the school holidays during summer, is it one week with y'all, one week with the bio mom, or is it just for instance, four weeks with y'all, four weeks with her? So because of the children's condition, the court reporter said in their family report that the children shouldn't be away from their mother for any more than seven nights. So it would never be for any more than seven nights at a time. Okay. Now, you mentioned the kids' condition. What conditions are those? So both children, autism and ADHD, mm-hmm. and then each child has different um, behavioural disorders and mental health issues. I'm sure that's hard. Very, very difficult. How far away does Bio Mom live from y'all? So at the moment, she would be about a 30-minute drive, but when we move, which will be in very, very soon because we've just built a house, she's probably going to be nearly 55 minutes away. Okay, it's still doable though. It is, yeah. It's just more annoying since she used to only live 15 minutes away. Yeah. She moved. <laughs> so now when there's a taking the kids back and forth, you're going at least an hour. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So it, it's more more time, more fuel. Yeah. yeah. What's your relationship like with the stepkids? We're very polite to each other. It's I find that we've had a difficult relationship. At first, we got along very, very well. Um, and I understand that to me. There's that honeymoon phase. Mm-hmm. But everything really changed once by a mum ceased contact. When we finally saw the kids, they just were never the same. Okay, so what happened? So when COVID first happened, mm-hmm. which like for us, where we live, it was all about March 2020. Mm-hmm. So our government decided to enforce a lockdown. So you could go to the shopping centre to buy essentials you couldn't loiter around, you couldn't go to restaurants and sit and have a meal, like cinemas were closed. They even closed schools down. Mm-hmm. So um, they moved learning to, I guess, virtual. Mm-hmm. So that happened early March. And at that stage, bio mum and my partner's relationship had really disintegrated. They were parallel pa- parenting. Mm-hmm. She just sent him a series of very short and sharp, precise text messages Mm -hmm. and basically said that she's protecting her children 
against COVID. So she would be ceasing contact and until further notice. And that was it. There was no discussion. It was all very one-sided. Stepson, 13, uh, turned at the time he was turning 11. Mm-hmm. So we missed his birthday. So his my partner was allowed to have a FaceTime him and that was the last time he spoke to him for 16 weeks. He wouldn't talk to him on the phone. The other stepson would occasionally speak to him on the phone, but it was very, very difficult to get in contact with them because mm-hmm. Bayer mum is the only one that has a phone and quite often she wouldn't answer the phone or she would say the kids were busy and didn't want to speak to him. Now, I know that Australia was really strict during their lockdowns. Like you couldn't mm-hmm. even go from city to city, right? Yeah, it was incredibly strict. So where we live in our state, our premier actually stopped people who had left our state to, say, holiday mm-hmm. interstate, still in Australia. Our premier wouldn't let them come home. So there were people who were living across the border, in like camping, living in hotels. They were stuck. It was horrible. Like it was really, really horrible. They had homes. They had homes to go to. Right. They had jobs and they were not allowed in until they had been vaccinated. They had to have had at least their first vaccination. Wow. And there yeah. was a time yeah. frame that between, of course, when COVID came around, and the lockdowns happened to when the vaccine was available. Yes, that's right. So I think in some cases there were people who had been locked out of their their home for nearly 12 months. Wow. They probably lost their jobs too. Yeah, we heard some pretty horrible stories. Yeah, yeah, there were people who were like, my, my employee can't keep my job, but people who had rentals, they couldn't afford to pay the rent, so they had to let their rental go. I can tell you now at that time, we did not travel. We were too scared to travel, too scared to leave the state. All my family are in interstate. As I moved up here to be with my partner, so it was just very, very upsetting to know that if something happened to a family member, I wouldn't be able to go and see them because potentially I would not be able to come back and I could lose my job. I'd have no livelihood. Right. So was Biomom in the same city or state or whatever? Are y'all able to go see the kids and she just wouldn't let you? Yes. So at that time, I had actually moved to her hometown. So I was living in her hometown. My partner, who at the time was in the military, had been told that he was going to be taking some long-term leave. Mm -hmm. And he told her that the month beforehand. And we were only living 15 minutes apart. So there was no plausible excuse for her ceasing contact. And we've, to this day, she's not been able to produce any evidence that she was given medical advice to cease contact. And in fact, when we finally saw the kids, we found out that they actually weren't in lockdown. They had been travelling outside of their home. They had 
travelled to shopping centres, they'd gone to other people's houses, they'd had bio mum's family, their stepfather's family come to their house. So they're allowed to see other people. They just weren't allowed to see their father. That's crazy. Yeah. And even the process server tried for several weeks to serve her with papers. And what had happened was it was uh, Easter Sunday and the solicitor called my partner and said, look, I've got the process server on the phone and he just wants to make sure that you do actually have the right address for bio mum. So he just, you know, can you give him makes and models the cars, rego numbers that could be parked in the driveway. And he said, yeah, not a problem. He said, yeah, this is definitely the address. These would be the makes and models and rego numbers of vehicles that bio mum and stepdad own. Mm-hmm. And the process server agreed that he was at the right house. And there were signs of life, but there was never anybody home. So the process then after that is if they can't serve the papers, they just sign an affidavit saying that they were unable to and court would go as planned. So the process server was still talking to our solicitor on the phone when by her mum, the kids and stepdad pulled into the driveway. And this was during lockdown, so they were still having a somewhat active social life. Mm-hmm. Wow. It was very, very upsetting. It was a deliberate ploy to, I don't know whether or not she was upset because by a mum is a former military wife. Mm-hmm. So she knows, she knows the system. And I think when my partner told her I'm on long-term leave, she knew that he would eventually be discharged and that he would not move on. He would be staying put. And I think in her mind she hoped he would only be here for two or three years and he'd move on interstate and the kids would probably only go back to seeing him once a year. Right. I don't think it had anything to do with autism and COVID. Right. Especially when the family court people were coming out in the media and saying lockdown is not an excuse to cease contact with your child's other parent. Mm-hmm. So we had to wait 16 or about 16 weeks to get for our court date to have our time in court. And um, it was the Monday before our court date that my mum contacted my partner and said to him, the kids would really like to see you. Would you like to pick them up and have them over the weekend? (laughs) We think that was she'd been given legal advice, that it didn't look good for her Uh and that she should allow him to have physical visitation. So did you end up going to court after all? We did. After that, my partner, because they did not have, what order? They had what they call, they've been to mediation. Mm-hmm. So mediation is quite informal. The documents they draw up in mediation aren't really legally binding, mm-hmm. whereas if you go to court and you actually have a consent order, that is legally binding. So they've had mediation before and it was just, um, it was really ridiculous. 
she refused to be in the same room as him. She maintained that she was a victim of domestic violence and she felt uncomfortable around him and she was frightened of him. So because they were in different rooms, you have a person that has to shuttle between each room and all the issues you want to discuss. Mm-hmm. You don't end up discussing them because there's not enough time. They only give you, I think, like three hours and it's just not enough time. Right. So, you know, they had many, many issues previous to her ceasing contact. There were issues with, because of the children's conditions, he was never allowed to attend medical appointments. She would not give him any information about what was going on at the medical appointments. The children had various healthcare professionals looking after them and he never received any information. It was very... Very frustrating because even for me, I would go and ask him a question and he couldn't answer it. Mm -hmm. So I I can imagine how frustrated he was with her because these are also his children. Right. And he was being treated like a sperm donor pretty much. You know, here you go, you just have them, even at that time, it was only every second weekend he didn't get them during the holidays. It was just basically, it was like her mentality was because you're my ex, you're now my kid's ex. Yeah. And that's not the case. No, no, it's not. And he had spent three years away from the kids because he had been hosted to another location interstate, which she had agreed to him accepting that job promotion. Mm Mm-hmm. And then she broke up with him a couple of months before he was due to start. And so he moved and his relationship was very, very fractured because of the children's age and their conditions. They couldn't um, travel unaccompanied minor. Mm -hmm. So he only saw them two, maybe twice a year, sometimes only once a year. It was really, really difficult. And when we first started dating, because the kids were not in the same state. You know, he would try and call them every Sunday night. And there was a lot of times there it happened in front of me and she wouldn't answer. Mm. And he sometimes went several weeks without any phone contact and he was worried. Yeah. He said, I, I don't know, what should I do? Should I contact the police? Yeah, it was just really, really frustrating. Yeah. So what happened when they finally went to court? The judge was pretty critical of her excuse for ceasing contact. So immediately reinstated the every second weekend. They were doing a weekly or midweek dinner. So that resumed. And then my partner asked for catch-up. This is like this. Um, so it was 16 weeks, which would have been eight weekends. Mm-hmm. So he asked to have them basically to catch up on those. And the judge agreed that I think it was like every Saturday or every, so every second weekend he had the kids, but then the weekend after that he would have them on the Saturday to try and catch up on what the time he had lost with them. Mm-hmm. But then it kind of wasn't over because during that time 
when there was no contact, I had said to my partner, you know, you're going to be leaving the military soon. Why don't you just go for 50-50? Because he had spoken about that before. That's what his ultimate goal was. So he instructed the solicitor to um, drop the papers to go for 50-50. And I guess that's when the fight really started was then because Bayamon was prepared for him to have every second weekend, but she didn't want the 50-50 contact. Mm-hmm. So it became quite, I guess, not not a very long process compared to other people, what other people have experienced, mm-hmm. but the affidavits were just like reading them. I was like, what, what's going on here? I... There were the allegations were some of them are quite heinous. The children had medical conditions that we'd never heard of. It was an eye opener, and we didn't know whether or not she was making false allegations. Was she making things up? Um, so, say for example, she said in one of the affidavits, the the eldest stepchild had apparently had suicidal ideology. The other stepchild had uh, juvenile arthritis and we were like, we've never heard of this. Why was this kept from, from the father? And it was during this time that she decided that the kids would not be going back to school and our government had reopened schools. And the school itself had said to her, there really is no reason why the kids can't come back to school. Mm-hmm. And they had said to her, we're strongly encouraging them to come back to school. So before the COVID lockdown, both children had been suspended from school for acts of violence. Mm. So the elder stepson had had a history of being suspended and it was becoming more frequent. So from the March of 2019 to October of that same year, she had decided to cease communication with the school and the school had included my partner in the communication and it had become very clear She was not comfortable with that. She did not want him having any say in anything to do with the children. She didn't want him having any knowledge. And when she decided she was done with the school, she immediately cut them out and the school were trying to get in contact with my partner to see if there was any way that he could help them retrieve medical records and he said look I can't because she has full access to medical records and the bio mom really has guess what you call full custody mm-hmm. the school couldn't do anything else they just they were hit a dead end and when they went back to court which would have been at the end of the year my partner expressed to the judge he was very unhappy the kids were not going to school and the judge agreed 
and shared the same that he thought education was really important to children, even children that have special needs. Mm-hmm. Sometimes even more so. That's right. Yeah, there's that socialization aspect. So it was at that time that we were ordered to have what they call a court report or a family, a family report. So we were sent to an external part party to have this report done. So of course, I've never been in this, neither one of us have ever been in this situation, so we don't know what to expect. And mm-hmm. my partner's solicitor says, you know, look, it'll happen on separate days. You won't ever be together. You'll probably go there to the court reporter's office by a mum will drop the kids off and um, it'll take several hours. The court reporter will interview you, interview myself, interview the kids individually and then by a mum her partner will also have their day so we go there on the day and it was quite confronting so we all had to share the same waiting room oh gosh by a mum and stepdad showed up and the information we had received wasn't correct in our situation and even I was on Facebook, so I was a member of Step Parenting Facebook groups, and I'd asked for advice on what happens during this family report. And I was told, oh, don't worry, you'll never be together, and they separate you, and that just didn't happen. So it was, I think it went from 8.30 to nearly 12 o'clock we were there, and the whole time we had to share the same waiting room. It was really confrontational. The kids, from memory, didn't even acknowledge us and their behaviour, I'd never seen them that way before. They were just completely, they were just out of control. And I I said to my partner afterwards, what happened? (laughs) I've never seen them behave that way. So we don't know if they had been spoken to about this family report and had been instructed to behave in a certain way if they weren't given their medication the night before. We don't know what happened, but it was, I never, ever want to go through that again. It was the most horrible experience. And then to chop it off, the eldest stepson had a meltdown towards the end. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Yeah. And then um, we got the family report, and it was, Let's just say if I could change anything, I would have changed that day that we did that family report because I was so misinformed about the process, about how much information to reveal, you know, like be careful what you say to them. Mm-hmm. And I I was painted as the evil stepmother in that report. Really? It, it was horrible. It was really, really horrible. I I went to bed and cried. And then the next day I was just an absolute nervous wreck. And I actually said to my partner, if you want to break up with me, you know, I won't hold any grudges against you. Obviously I'm going to hold you back from getting any further contact with your kids. I said, I don't want that to happen. I said, no, I will step out of the picture. 
you can instruct your solicitor that we've broken up and I'm no longer part of the process and hopefully the judge will will come to a, a different outcome. Yeah, it, it was just absolutely horrible. What did they say about you? I mean, like, can you give us an example? Because I'm thinking that you said something to the effect of the kids have a specific bedtime here and the court looked at that as a bad thing. I, I mean, I'm trying to grasp what how they made you this evil stepmother. So I was told, be honest with the court reporter. Mm-hmm. So I went in there and I was honest and, you know, he's asking me about my upbringing, where I work, where I live, plans for the future, that sort of thing. Then he's asking me about the kids and about the whole situation, if I understood why this was happening and so forth. And I had was honest with him and I, I told him that I was really concerned about the kids not going to school, about how much their lifestyle had changed. There was now no structure. They were accustomed now to going out to the shopping centre every day because they had no school. Mm-hmm. And also my biggest concern and still is to this day is the amount of medication that both children are prescribed. Mm-hmm. So in the family report, it was painted that because I have a background in the pharmaceutical industry mm-hmm. that I would potentially influence my partner into not giving the children their medication. And I know you can't see my face, but it's got that, what? Look. It was the family report was so one-sided and other people said to me, the family reporter already knew who they were going to choose before you even walked in the door. I mean, I dressed quite professional, like I would if I was going for a job interview. Why a mum and stepdad rocked up in board shorts and T-shirts and a flannelette shirt and a pair of jeans with tattoos on show. Right. And I've got nothing against tattoos, but, like, this was, we were told, you know, dress nice, put a collared right. shirt on, you know, wear a nice pair of pants and shoes. So I, I was just kind of like, hang on, what, where, did, where did we go wrong? Yes, yeah, so the family reporter noted that by and mum and I don't speak, that we didn't speak in the waiting room. So I said to the, the family reporter when he interviewed me, I said to him, look, by and mum's relationship with my partner is more important as he's the father of their children. It's more important that they have a relationship than I have a relationship with her. And that did struck, it it struck me as quite an unusual thing to say because he had interviewed them both together before me and then interviewed them separately before he interviewed me. So he would have known that their relationship had completely broken down and that they didn't even communicate or that bio mum had stopped communication. So it was definitely one-sided and he had decided that I was going to be the bad person. Bio mum was going to be the hero and I was going to be the villain. Who did they interview together? So they interviewed bio mum and my partner together. 
oh, I thought that was supposed to be separate too. Well, we had just been given, from what I was told by other people who have have experienced the same thing, they said it was very unusual that we were all in the same room. Right. They said usually they do not do that. It would be on a different day. But I feel that this court reporter put us in a situation to possibly create such a stressful experience to see if someone would break. Right. And I know that sounds horrible because there's children involved. Right. But obviously this person, this is what they do for a living. This is how they make their money. I mean, I'm I'm just so perplexed that this happened because I know anytime I have went to even mediation or court or anything like that, they made sure that we didn't even see each other. And if we did, it was briefly. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that the, the the court reporter did not acknowledge is that my, my partner has First Nations ancestry and he refused to accept that and missed that completely on the, the family report. Okay, explain that to me. What does that mean? So my partner has a family connection to the people who first inhabited this country, Mm -hmm. Aboriginals, Mm -hmm. and that's usually considered to be very, very important family court because if you remove a child from their family, they lose that connection to their ancestry, to their culture, to their traditions, their tribes. Mm-hmm. And that was just completely disregarded. Bio mum has had said to him previously, I don't believe that you have First Nations ancestry and I refuse to acknowledge it. And she wouldn't let the children be acknowledged as being a First Nations person. Wow. Yeah. So you're denying a child a part of their ancestry, of their family connection as such. Mm-hmm. So I guess the court ended up not going in your partner's favor. So after we got the the family court report, my partner was initially told by his solicitor that the, the family court report was good. So the court reporter said that he would advise the children not to be away from their mother for any more than seven consecutive nights. So which you would think would be 50-50. You could still do 50-50. But right. then he also said in the report that because the parents do not communicate, 50-50 is just not going to work. And in that case, I do agree with him. I was a very big advocate of parents having 50-50. But after having this experience, you can't do have shared responsibility when the parents do not communicate, I mean, there was utterly no communication. When right. they would do drop-offs and handovers, we would be in the car. Why mum would pull up beside us, the kids would jump out and she would have already take, reversed and taken off and be down the street before the kids had even put their seatbelt on. Hey, that sounds like my exchanges went with my ex. <laughs> yeah, and these are special needs children that are taking lots of medication. They have a lot of conditions, a lot of behavioural issues. 
there's a lot of things going on in their life. And my partner just had no idea of what was happening. And he was getting all this information secondhand from the kids. So previous to when Bayer Mum had this contact, he would try to make appointments to see the medical professionals. And there was a time, especially in the early stages, where the medical receptionist would contact Bayer Mum and tell her that he'd made an appointment and she would cancel the appointment and then send him a nasty text message and tell him, you've got no right to see my children's doctors. And this was all because he wasn't getting any information from her. He had been shut out. Was that out of line for the receptionist to do that? Or could she have gotten in trouble? Mm -hmm. She should have been. I went to one of those medical appointments and I did not like the way she looked at my partner. This was a, a doctor the kids had been seeing for quite some time. And we believe that bio mom had created a narrative where she told all the health professionals and anybody that was related to the the children's education and care that she was a victim of domestic violence, that bio dad had alienated and had no contact with the kids. So when my partner started making connections, they were a little bit surprised because they were like, oh, we didn't think that you even lived in the same state. You know, we were under the impression you didn't have any contact with the kids. You weren't involved. Mm -hmm. She'd even told the child support agency that he had no contact. And when he rang them to change his address, they said to him, oh, we just want to confirm. So there's still no contact. You have nothing to do with these children. And he said, no, that's not right. I do. I see them every second weekend. And they mm-hmm. said, oh, that's that's interesting. Would you be able to prove that? And he said, I can. He said, I live on a military base and it is um, government land. There's security cameras everywhere. You can't just walk in and out of your own free will. You need security, need to see you. You need to have a security pass. He said, I have colleagues that see me on the base with the kids. I quite often will text by a mum when the traffic's really bad to let her know I'm going to be late. So they said, oh, okay, well, we'll just get in contact with her. So when they rang her, she said, no, he has no contact whatsoever. And they said to her, he's telling us otherwise and he's saying that he can provide lots of evidence that he does mm-hmm. and she backtracked and said oh yes he does have them every second weekend and she just gets away with this crap well she didn't end up getting away with it after that because his child support actually went down a little bit because he was having contact so in australia if you don't have contact with your kids you actually pay the highest tier of child support and the more contact you have with the less child support you pay right i think here it's based off the number of nights yeah yeah Yeah. so they also factor that in as well and then they also look at both parents income so 
if one parent doesn't work and has no income and that doesn't include their partner's income and you do 50-50, you can still have to pay child support to them. Right. And it's like that here. Well, let me say in my yeah. state. Which means that you're really paying double for your child right. because you, you, you still you have expenses when they're with you, but then you're also paying for them to live with the other parent, which right. I don't agree with because I think if we're going to live in, in a world where women are created equal to men, women need to also be financially responsible for providing for their own children. Right. So that means they need to work as well. They can't just rely on someone else to financially support them. You can't mm-hmm. have your cake and eat it too. You can't have all these rights because your sex is female, but then still play the I'm a poor victim because I was born a female. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so this whole court process, it did drag on for quite some time. That's when we we noticed the kids' behaviour change and I really believe it was parental alienation. Mm-hmm. There was something going on at Bayer Mum's house, absolutely something going on. The kids just, they their behaviour was so peculiar. They could have a really good weekend with their father and mm-hmm. next time he would see them, they would not speak to him they wouldn't look at him they would just sit in the car there was just they just looked like they were angry with him and bio mum and stepdad would be sitting in the front and no one would speak and then eventually bio mum would just start up the car and drive off and this um was becoming more frequent Mm -hmm. this behavior and my partner would you know say to the kids is there something that I have done to upset you, if I have, I would really like you to tell me. I'm not going to be angry angry with you. I just want to know if there's something I can do. And he never really got an answer from the kids. Mm-hmm. I don't think they could articulate what was going on at home. But I started doing some research into kids' behaviour and I showed my partner and I said to him, I think you're experiencing parental alienation. I think that at the other house, bio mum is speaking of you either in front of the children, directly to the children or around them in a manner that makes the children feel uncomfortable and that they don't know what side to choose. They're, They're torn. And there were instances where we would have activities and bio mum didn't agree with the activities. And the following weekend was like my partner was being punished. So I tried to explain to him. I followed a, a psychiatrist on YouTube called Dr. Childress and he's a specialist in parental alienation. And um, he explains what actually happened. So the the parent who's doing the alienating makes a child feel really bad for having a good time with the other parent and the child has to to really choose who they're going to be loyal to. And during this time of going through the court process, the parental alienation was at its its, its hardest and there, there were times there where I was 
really anxious at the end of the day because I knew that my partner was supposed to be picking the kids up and I, I didn't know what I was going to come home to. Was I going to come home to him and the kids or was I going to come home to only him and say just one child or would I come home to only him and he would just be absolutely defeated and just devastated. He he was lost. He did not know what to do. And I think he he was also in kind of denial about what was really happening because I tried to get him to look at some articles and watch some YouTube videos on parental alienation. And I don't think he could bring himself to do it. He, I think he was suffering from paralysis. He was just so frightened that he was going to lose the kids. And at that stage, the children had ceased going to school. They basically had like a new life. And after we got the family court report, my partner said to me, we have two choices. We either hire a barrister and we fight this, which means everybody will be cross-examined in court. There's no guarantee that we'll win. Or we just we settle for every second weekend and half the school holidays, which I think is like 14% care. So I guess at that stage, we really had to weigh up the kids' behaviour. It was getting worse and we felt that we needed to stop the bleeding. Mm -hmm. We didn't know how much damage was done to their relationship. So my partner decided he would stop the 50-50 custody and he would just go for every second weekend and half the school holidays and see what would happen there. So in that time, it did help. I do think it did alleviate a lot of, I guess you could say, denigrating or just talking negative about the other parent Mm -hmm. in the other house. But at the same time, because the children had this new life and they didn't no longer had a routine, we found that Bio Mum went from being this very authoritarian parent to being a Disney parent. Whereas at that time, I was encouraging my partner to go from being what do you call a permissive parent to taking on more of an authoritative role but not being an authoritarian. I didn't want him to be as harsh as what my mum was in her parenting. So the kids had really were had expressed a roller coaster. They had gone through so much change in 12 months. And um, in that time when I was encouraging him to take on more of an authoritative parenting approach to them, their relationship was had started to suffer again and I realised that I was actually causing more harm by trying to get him to take on a role where in the kid's eyes he was going to be the bad person Mm -hmm. and it was affecting our relationship. We're fighting over things like the kids walking around, you know, they go out and play in the street and have no shoes on kids not 
you know, washing the toilet, not um, washing their hands and, and things like that and their bedrooms being messy and, and, and all that sort of thing. And it was at that time that I had found Nacho mm-hmm. and I had started looking into Nacho. And the more I, I listened to the podcast and the more that I when I joined the academy and I was listening to the courses that I realised I had taken on probably too much mm-hmm. for myself. The role was was bigger than I and I was, while I wasn't directly in contact with Biomum, I was kind of influencing a lot of things behind the scenes with my parent and I was with my partner and I was kind of pushing him in, like, two two directions. I was, you know, it was very conflicting for him because he wants to have a relationship with kids and he wants the kids to be happy. He wants them to be, wants them to want to come and spend time with him. But then if I'm trying to enforce this authority of parenting while they're here every second weekend and trying to enforce this housework schedule and and all that sort of thing but they're not used to it they don't get this at the other house and I said to him one day we'd had a really bad week I think we'd had two fights in the one week and I did not want to live my life like this Mm -hmm. and I said to him you know what you know I had told him that I was looking into Nacho and which he he was happy for me, I think, because I told him, look, I'm going to disengage. And I'd said to him at the end of the week after we'd had these two horrible fights, I said, Jim, you know what? I said, I want you to be a Disney dad. I said, I don't want you to be an authoritative parent. I said, you only see the kids every second weekend. I don't want you to be enforcing punishments and rules and stuff like that on them when they're here Mm -hmm. this is just going to be their family time it's going to be a good place for them to come to obviously if they do something wrong then yes you're going to speak to them about it but you know what if if their rooms are messy their rooms are messy don't worry about it Mm -hmm. and I'll come to you if they've done something um, I'll come to you and I'll just ask you if you can clean it up but I don't want you to be an authority parent. I just want you to be a Disney parent because at the moment I want you to lose kids and I don't want you to get any less time than what you already have with them. So mm-hmm. I want you to be the best Disney dad you can be. And I think he really appreciated me saying that to him because I took a lot of pressure off him. Right, he was really being torn between me and the kids. He was trying to keep us all happy. Yeah, and that's so hard. And I'm so glad that you did tell him, look, be Disney dad. It's understandable and it's okay. Yeah, yeah. And I, I realized too that you can have all these grand visions of, you know, being an involved parent and doing 50-50. And he's not going to work if the other parent will not communicate with you, especially when your children don't go to school. And for us, 
we had gotten to a stage where the judge had basically said to bio mum, you need to do something about the children's education. And we'd found out that through the children, she had enrolled them in distance education. So she would be homeschooling them. Mm -hmm. And we had a discussion about it and I said to my partner, how do you feel about homeschooling the kids? And he said to me, I can't do it. So I can't. He said, with their their, um, special needs, he said, I can't homeschool them. And we both agreed that it was not in our best interest and the kids' best interest to do 50-50. And, you know, this. some people might think, well, this is a bit of a cop-out, but my partner decided he was just going to be the fun parent every second weekend. But why put all that stress onto yourself? Mm-hmm. Why try and, and homeschool two children who are not neurotypical and also have to fight for information about them? It would be an absolute nightmare. Mm-hmm. We wanted an end to this drama we didn't want to continue it and that was our goal so once we had basically had to nut out the details of the consent order once that was done and it was signed off it was about 18 months from start to finish it was an 18 month process which felt like it was forever but then other people go through years and years and years of being in court and when I was listening to some of the Nacho Kids podcasts where people were talking about spending you know nearly their child's entire life in the in the family court system you know my partner and I would listen to these podcasts together and I would just we would look at each other and we're like we don't want to do that mm-hmm. we don't want to waste all that money because you're not winning it's the the court system that wins, you know, it's the judge and the, the solicitors and the barristers. They're the ones that are all winning. That's mm-hmm. what they do for a living. It's it's their livelihood and at the end of the day, you're just another number to them. Right. So we were so glad to finally be done with the court system. Oh, I'm sure. It's so stressful. Mm-hmm. It is very, very stressful and expensive. Yes, which causes more stress. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, with your experience with the court reporter, that's not how it was supposed to be. No, that was, if I could go back and change anything, I would definitely change that day. But I was so traumatized that whenever somebody would put something up in the Facebook group about, hey, I've got a family court report, what should I expect? I was just so, I was so straight to the point and people were saying to me, you know, you're being really harsh and blunt and I'm like, look, this is what I've experienced. I have PTSD from that day. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you've had a bad experience, you don't know what it's like. Right. And so it's almost like you want to tell people, don't tell them the truth. Yes. Yeah. Be careful what you really say. Right. While you're in there. Yeah. When I say that, it's almost them doing the stuff that they are doing makes people want to lie Mm. Mm. or not be fully open. That's true. 
Yes. And I remember the first probably 20 times I was in court with my son's father. You know, they always tell you when the other attorney talks to you and asks you questions to be short with your answers. Don't elaborate. And that may be the best advice for a court reporter. Mm -hmm. Don't elaborate. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing is we have seen where the stepmom has said, I leave that relationship to the dad or things like that. Kind of like I'm not very involved. Like he makes their lunches and stuff like that. And they use that against her. Mm -hmm. I think in in a lot of these situations, someone just has to be the loser. Both parties can't win. Yeah. And it's a roll of the dice. Yes. Who's going to be the winner? They will tell you in our family court system that if you go in front of a judge, nobody's going to win. I believe that. Yes. And you're right. It is a roll of the dice. Mm. It could be... And I know this sounds stupid, people, but it's true. It could be the judge doesn't like brunettes. So you walk in and he's automatically got something against you. Yeah. It may have been he had a brunette he loved years ago that broke his heart. It could be he was abused by his mother that was a brunette. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. It's very hard to remain impartial. Right. And they're not made to. Mm -hmm. They say they are. But you know it, I know it, and anybody else that's been in the family court system knows that's a bunch of crap. Yeah. And again, I say this from me coming from a quote, quote, winning standpoint. Mm -hmm. Every time I've been to court, it has been a positive outcome for me and my son. Yeah. But it still needs revamping. It needs to be overhauled. Yes. Yeah, I think it's. I think the system is broken in a lot of countries. Yeah, not just yours. I know that doesn't make you feel any better, but we talked to a guy recently that went through parental alienation in the UK, and his story is so sad. He has not seen his kids, oh, I'm wanting to think, going on four years. And the judge told him not to come back and file anything with the court until February of next year. Hmm. I joined a few parental alienation groups on Facebook and I had to leave them because they were really upsetting. And yes. That's, and I have, and in saying that, I'm not a parent that has experienced parental alienation. I'm just someone that is involved in a situation and I found it really distressing and I had to leave the groups. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't, I couldn't read any more posts and, It's heartbreaking. It is so heartbreaking. And I don't know what bio mum did, but when the kids came back, they were just just not the same. You know, just their behaviours. I I just can't get wrap my head around how much they have changed. Mm -hmm. And I, I understand that puberty has really not agreed with them. And it has made a lot of their behaviours like a thousand times worse, mm-hmm. especially when you have two children who are only 12 months apart and they're both going through puberty at the same time. Yeah. It is really, really difficult. Yeah. We had the triplets, so. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, you know, and the thing is too, 
you can't control what happens in the other house. And no. when Bio Mum moved, they they moved from a big house into a small house, and we found out that the younger stepson is sharing a bedroom with his stepsister, and. We were both like, why would you do that? It's so inappropriate. You know, your, your son is going through puberty and you're putting him in a bedroom with a girl that's younger than him. Yeah, you're asking for trouble. It is. And I'm not saying that my stepson would intentionally go and do anything, but what if that girl would go, would go home to her mum and tell her mum that he did do something to her and he didn't? Right. Or it could be as simple as she perceives that he's staring at her. Yeah. Yeah. And making her uncomfortable. And he may be mean nothing by it. And it could be his autism that makes him not have the right social cues. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. He could just say something that could be, she might not take it in, like, in the wrong way. But what if she goes home to her mom? And mm-hmm. does and, and tells her mum. Her mum goes, "Oh no, 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 that's not right." And that's right. the other thing, as well, is that you know, the kids, their stepfather has had a very difficult relationship with his ex-wife. So they went through a period where he was denied access to his own children, and I think it went on for six months where he wasn't able to have physical contact with them, and. Um, during that time, the kids would come over to our house and they were bad-mouthing their stepfather's ex-wife to us. And um, we were like, well, that's not really appropriate because what's going to happen when they are eventually reunited with their stepsister and stepbrother and they start saying horrible things about their mother to them? Right. So this is all things that they've obviously heard at the other house so when we heard that about the living situation I was so angry I was like why would you put him in that that situation right why can't he share a room with the his brother because they don't get along oh okay which they don't get along like they are very high conflict and puberty has made that a lot worse and they're both very different you know you one child has moderate autism and is um, an introvert. Mm-hmm. And then with a global developmental delay, and then you have the other child who has mild autism and is an extrovert. They're just very different kids, you know, very, very different. One child has a clean bedroom. The other child's room looks like somebody went in there and trashed the place. Right. So, I can understand they can't share a bedroom, but what I don't understand is why you would go from a living situation where all of the kids in the house have their own bedroom and move to a smaller house and have to have the kids double up and share. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. And I would have thought that the parents in the situation would have been like, no, do you know what? My kid really needs to have their own bedroom especially the stepdad, like why right. didn't he stand up for his daughter and, hey, you know, like girls are going through puberty. Some girls can go through puberty quite early, like as young as eight. 
Yes. Why didn't he step up for his daughter and say, hey, my daughter is at that age where she really needs her own privacy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I can't control what goes on in that other house. Right. You can't, no matter how much you see that could possibly go wrong or is going wrong mm-hmm. or how it's unhealthy for the kids, there's nothing you can do about it. No. No. Yeah. yeah. It's difficult. It is. Well, Jamie, I really appreciate you being a guest on our podcast and sharing your story with us. And I hate that you've been through all this. I hope that it's all all in the past now and we have hopefully turned over a new leaf. My mum has started talking to my partner. Oh, she has? She has recently after many years of no communication, no contact. Wow. And she's now contacting him quite regularly and keeping him informed of what goes on. So I don't know what's prompted this change, but it's positive and we hope that it stays like that and we hope that we never have to experience this ever again, what we've been through, and that we can just heal and move on from from this. Yes, me too. Well, keep us posted and let us know how things go. Yeah, we'll do. All right. Well, thank you again. Yeah. Thank you, Laurie. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, folks. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Jamie. I did. <laughs> I'm glad you did, David. <laughs> Do you know what I meant when I said that? I don't know anything what you mean because you are a jokester. <laughs> and you say all kind of crap. I don't know what you're talking about. Even what though was you, did, it you said the other day? <laughs> I say stuff or something like that. <laughs> was that it? I say stuff? I, sometimes I say stuff. Yeah. I'm going to get you a shirt that says, sometimes I say stuff. Because <laughs> David always has something to say, y'all. Always. No, I take that back. If he's not in a good mood, it's easy to tell because he's quiet. And yeah. it scares me. And well, it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> it should. <laughs> I love how this stepmom, Jamie, told her husband, be the Disney dad. It's okay. Okay. She made her life so much easier when she said that. Yeah. I mean. And, and his. And the kids. If I had every other weekend custody or or, or less, because I know people have less than that, that's probably what I would be doing. You can call it Disneyland Dad if you want to. I call it making the best of what I got. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, David. I think that we bored the listeners enough in the beginning. <laughs> that is not true. They were completely enthralled with that <laughs> crazy bit of conversation. <laughs> Which, folks, you might think that's abnormal, but that's that's my life every day, dealing with her. No, David, stop. All right, folks, join us again next week, and remember, life is good. Wing you, Nacho. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.